The driver coming towards me must have thought I was on drugs. There I was, driving my convertible with my arms outstretched above me, left knee steering the car, grinning like a fool. Hey, it's Peter, and welcome to On Your Terms, a show all about personal reinvention based on meaningful work, autonomy, and living a happier, more intentional life. Ultimately, it's all about filling your backpack with whatever's missing so you can go and climb your mountain, where the climb is just as exciting as the peak. I frequently ignore my own advice on many things, particularly the subject of work-life balance. I've done hundreds of 15-hour days and dozens of 20-hour ones, even a few 24-hour ones. Often, instead of doing a dozen sprints, I'll do two or three marathons in a typical 12-hour day. Now, that's not good, I know, but I am working on it. One way I'm doing it is, especially when the weather's nice, is to get in my car for an hour, peel back the roof, and just go for a drive. We're about half an hour north of Melbourne in Australia, and despite the spread of suburbia, our home is still only five minutes from the countryside. There are paddocks and farms and uh, animals all around us. So when burnout approaches and the sun's out, what I do is I steal myself away and I go and top up my vitamin D levels, aided by V8 propulsion. Most times I'll work through a project-related issue while I'm driving. I use the voice recorder app on my phone to document ideas, um, and then I write them down whenever I get to the other end or when I get back home, and that's been enormously productive for me. Yesterday, though, I just wanted to get out and bask in the first flush of spring sunshine. When I go for a drive, it usually takes just a few minutes before my speeds rise and I'm hunting corners with willful abandon. But this time was different. This time I wanted to coast to drink in the sun's warmth and the scent of freshly cut roadside grass. Through each twist and turn, I maintained the same wafting pace. My bare arm was on the door, I had one hand on the wheel, and it was beautiful, it was peaceful and really satisfying. And it got me thinking. For as long as I can remember, ambition has been my primary source of fuel. It's what made those 20-hour stints possible. It's also what gave me my first, and hopefully only, heart attack in my 30s. Now, don't misunderstand me. Ambition is good. Indeed, you really need it if you want to achieve anything beyond eating, sleeping, and procreating. I think it's the number one driver of achievement. You've got to be ambitious. You've got to have some kind of ambition. But ambition tied to self-flagellation wears thin. If it's only tied to what's in it for you, it wears thin after a while. Big Macs, Red Bulls, and Mars bars give you a temporary high, but none of the sustenance. Likewise, an ambition that only serves ourselves tends to leave us hollow and unfulfilled. It has us questioning the things that drove us here in the first place, and eventually it just makes us miserable and we have to change our diet. Contrast this with my experience yesterday. Now, you could argue that the convertible, the sunshine, and you know, working from home and all that sort of stuff were the cause of my glee, and yes, they certainly help, there's no doubt about it. But, I mean, the car costs bugger all. It is 18 years old after all. And I've worked from home for over 15 years, so that's not really a novelty for me anymore. And the sunshine wasn't exactly new either, although we haven't had much of it leading up to spring. But cruising east through Wildwood, the tree-filtered light stroming against my cheek, I found myself counting off the reasons for my good cheer. And it was pretty simple. Number one, I have people in my life that I care about and who care about me. Number two... I get to play this one in 400 trillion game called life. And number three, I'm doing something that matters with my life. 
Now, none of us gets to choose our family, and really finding and forging friendships with good people can be hard. But as Joshua Fields Milburn says, you can't change the people around you, but you can change the people around you. In other words, we decide how much time and attention we give to others. And since we become the average of those we're with, well, being deliberate about this can have a huge impact on our lives. My dad's father was an abusive tyrant, and my mum's mother beat and neglected her. Both of them had to make a very deliberate effort to surround themselves with good people to counteract the trauma that each of them endured. They both succeeded, thankfully, and they raised my sister and me with genuine love and support. And my good fortune doesn't end there either. My own children are healthy, wonderful people. My wife is amazing, and my sister and I are buddies. And then there are my closest friends, people that I can count on and who know they can count on me. It's meant letting go of a few people while reconnecting with some others, but the rewards have been remarkable. Okay, now think about this for a minute. For you to be listening to this right now required an unbroken succession of fertile women stretching back more than 250,000 generations. Now those are terrible odds, and yet here you are. So whenever I start taking things too seriously, I remember first what an amazing game this is, and secondly, how lucky I am to be here to play it, and third, how soon it will all end. I'm always saying that we're lucky to be here, but really the word luck is grossly inadequate. Impossible is much closer, I think. The third reason for my wanton joy yesterday is this, and I think this is the kicker. I feel like I'm making a dent in the universe. Now granted, it's only a small one, but it's a dent nonetheless. Some of it relates to the time that I devote to those I care about, especially at the opposite ends of the age spectrum. That is my seven-year-old son, Tommy, and my crusty old parents. Some of it is the way that I approach the work that I do for my clients and my desire to go beyond just providing services for money. The other thing is the work that I'm doing right here. And of the three, I reckon this one has been the key. Now, the other two are immensely rewarding, there's no doubt, but they also come naturally and they don't require nearly as much effort. With this work, I found something that I can do that actually helps people, that feels right for me and is difficult, at least for me anyway. Now, I've written stories since I was a teenager, and I was first published at the age of 16, but it's never been particularly easy for me. I have to work at it, but I'm glad that I keep trying. Now, like you, I have a unique set of experiences, skills, and perspectives. Likewise, I have my own collection of embarrassing failures and hard-won lessons. The best thing that I can do is to share them and then help someone like you avoid the same traps while hopefully scoring a few victories as well. It's a simple enough endeavour, I reckon, but it's fraught with risk too, most of it created by my own internal resistance, and most people feel the same way, they experience the same thing. There's the self-doubt and the unrealistic expectations to deal with. There are lulls in your enthusiasm, the lure of inertia, and the inevitable desire to quit, often. But what I've discovered is that once you make a long-term commitment, and by long-term I'm talking at least five years, once you make a long-term commitment to something like this, something that you truly care about, the rewards are greater than anything money can buy. And this explains why people that I really respect, like Seth Godin, Chris Guillebeau, Corbett Barr and Marie Folio, are usually pretty happy. It's because they're doing work that matters. They're making a difference in people's lives. It's why Gary Vaynerchuk doesn't wear a Rolex or live in a mansion, despite his nine-digit net worth. For these people, it's all about the work. 
It's about the change that they seek to make in the world. That's where they get their buzz from. That's what makes them truly happy. Now, you've heard over and over that money alone doesn't buy happiness, at least not beyond our basic needs. What does seem to work is pursuing a long-term project that feels good, that feels right for you, that helps others and challenges you a little bit. But it must do all three, or else what we tend to do is we quit early and we never experience the outcomes that this can give us. Now, your project might include making a lot of money. After all, charities can't run on good intentions, and, and really nothing beats money where money works. There are some things where only money will work. But the point is, whatever it is that you pursue, whatever project you hitch your purpose to, it needs to, number one, it needs to feel good. It needs to feel right for you. Number two, it needs to help people in some way. And number three, it needs to challenge us so that we can grow and so that we can get all the satisfaction that comes from growing. Bottom line, finding your purpose through a project of some kind and then working on it consistently will give you a much better ROI than just simply searching for happiness or trying to buy it. And I know this because I've tried both. Now, I don't know what yours is, what your purpose, what your project is going to be. And like me, it'll probably change over time. But if you want to be happy, and I mean stick your arms out the roof of your car happy, you need to find it. Pick something and try it on for six months. Stick with it and see where it leads. Then adjust, iterate, or pivot if required, but be very mindful of how you feel about it. Don't let other people's opinions come into it, or your imagined views of what other people will think about it. I mean, you've done that crap for long enough. I began writing about midlife in February 2016, and I've done it every week since. I've never missed one. I've had a lot to share on the subject because, well, (laughs) I've been through a lot. And the feedback's been extraordinary, and it's been a tremendous source of joy for me. Now I'm directing some of my energy to another topic. The topic is basically getting your life back by working from anywhere you want. I've worked that way for over 15 years and it's allowed me to do things that my city-bound colleagues can't, like hanging out with my son right after school. Also, my workplace changes all the time. One day it's my home office, another it's a lakeside park 30 minutes away from home, or it could be a secluded mountain restaurant, or it's my car or my garage. Basically, it's anywhere I want. The point is, by sharing the things that have transformed my life, I'm transcending my own selfish desires. I'm helping others to have a better life too. And that's why my hands are in the air yesterday. By doing work that matters, by finding my purpose, happiness found its way to me. Anyway, that's it for me for this week. You'll find the corresponding blog post for this episode over at midlifetribe.com slash 59. Until we talk again next week... Here's to working and living on your terms. Thanks for listening.